he actually texted me um, I think maybe midway through the second round and just said, David Bell, 99. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, no, a lot of people here, you know, really, really like the player. I think he fits the kind of team we want to be, the kind of offense we want want to be. He's tough. He's physical. He's got great hands. Um, I think he'll, he'll complement our wide receiver room really well. It's kind of amazing. You go through his game logs and you click on there and you say, okay, well, what did this guy do against, you know, good competition? You think about Michigan State. You think about the Ohio State Buckeyes. And he put up monster numbers in those games. So you may be doing some scouting of those guys. And Iowa, 11 for 240 when they were number two in the country. Michigan State, 11 217 when they were three in the country and 11 for 103 against the Buckeyes. Does that do those games count a little more in an evaluative process when you're looking against teams that are producing NFL caliber players? Sure. I mean, absolutely. We, we do our best uh, trying to understand what the competition is, not just on a global basis like, oh, he plays in the Big Ten, but on a play-by-play basis. You know, who, who is he sure. actually lining up against uh, you know, every week? And uh, he certainly had some of the harder competition out there. So he said, he was asked who the toughest cornerback that he faced was, and he said, our own Greg Newsom. In a situation like this, when you guys are in the weeds and Coach Stefanski is very into this guy, did you talk to Greg? You say, what did you think of him? Because I know Greg has said that he was a great challenge as well. Well, that's that's good to hear. I didn't talk to Greg about it. There may have been okay. uh, you know, someone here in the building who did. We've certainly asked our, our guys at different times about different players um, that either they've gone against or even teammates they've had you know, in the past. Um, but we also try not to put him in an awkward spot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Greg had much problem with many guys, you know, in college. But it's nice to hear that Dave, David was at yeah, least competitive for him. Against him. Oh yeah. Uh, Chief Strategy Officer Paul DiBenesta joining us on the show. Martin Emerson, take us through it. Yeah, I mean, a long press corner, you know, who really likes to play press too. Um, we, you know, I think he really fits what we want to do on defense, especially in the. Uh, you know, in the defensive backfield, um, it's a little something we don't have. I mean, he's six foot two, you know, and he's and he's very very long, and um, so I, I think he, again, just sort of a great fit for the rest of that room. I mean, outside corner, you know, for us primarily, but um, we were excited to get him again. He was a guy last couple of weeks that we just thought. The more and more we looked at our draft board, said, you know what, the, this guy needs to be, this guy needs to be a Brown, you know, one way or another, um, and it ultimately worked out for us. When you have a lot of guys coming in here from Minnesota who spent time in Minnesota, spent time around Mike Zimmer, how many corners do you need? One more is the answer. Coach said that in his presser. I know Jeff Howard has said that before. And you get him. Do you guys kind of envision him? When you mentioned what we do, and you, I remember talking to you last year, Greg Newsom, scheme agnostic. This guy seems to really fit, though, our scheme and what we like to do. When you're looking on a cover three, cover four, you want those big guys on the outside. Like a Brandon Browner, is that kind of what you guys see him like? Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the way we played really the second half of last year, we ended up playing more and more man you know, yeah. as the year went on, especially in the high leverage you know, situations. And we feel like we have guys that, that can do it. Uh, certainly Denzel and Greg, um, you know, Greedy played well when he had a chance to get in there. So, um, you know, we think there's just another guy that adds to the mix. And like you said, you, you can never have enough of them, you know. And um, I think we saw that last year. We were really helped by the fact that we had Greedy, we had Troy Hill, we had A.J. Green. All those guys stepped up and played well. Um, so, no, I, I think he was – you know, th- this wasn't a – we were sitting at 68. This wasn't a what's our biggest need. It was who's the best player on the board. And for us at that point, it was, it was Martin Emerson. Alex Wright, the tallest man from Alba, Elba, Alabama, which we discussed That's with right. him. We found that out. Tonight. Uh, a wonderful personality. Yeah. It, it did not. I'd never spoken to the man, never heard him speak, and uh, we were really taken aback by him. 
Uh, what led to that that decision there? You know, another guy was sort of a consensus pick internally, a guy really since February meetings that we had been kind of locked in on. Um, that was sort of a nice, uh, you know, blend of both need and, you know, best player. Um, so we thought he was a guy, again, going into today that we wanted to leave here tonight with Alex Wright, you know, one way or another. Um, you know, we think he's a has the potential to be a three down defensive end. He can rush the passer. He's another guy who's very long. I mean, six foot five, two hundred seventy pounds. He's also been effective rushing inside, so he's got some versatility to him. Um, and that defense he's been on at UAB is a very, very good defense. Uh, they they've been impressive for a number of years now. So coming from a really good program, and yeah, we think he'll we think he'll fit right in. There aren't a lot of six five, two seventy five defensive ends that you draft who played wide receiver and basketball, maybe basketball, sure, but they played wide receiver in high school. Yeah, no, he's, he's very athletic, and he's obviously bulked up to, you know, to get there sure. to 275, but, um, yeah, he's a he's a big, long guy, and, uh, and again, very athletic. We think he's, you know, certainly a pass rusher, but we also think he can really set the edge. So he, it sounds like Emerson, we wanted to make him a Brown check, right? We wanted to make him a Brown check. Coach Stefanski, and I'm sure there were others that wanted David Bell to be on a Brown check. And you did that despite trading back out of pick 44. Out of You weren't in the first round. We had Sean Watson. No pick in the second round. How does how do you kind of navigate those moments? Because there are a lot of picks that go by from 44 to ultimate where you get David Bell at 99. Sure. Uh, no doubt. I mean, they, look, there were other players that we certainly liked, too, that we wish we could be going home with tonight also. Sure. you know, uh, Baker's uh, dozen. You, know, you, you never end up getting every player you want. Um, but you know, the, the way it was falling for us, we felt like these were the right moves. Again, these were players that we had sort of circled in, in these areas of the draft that, Hey, if we're in position to go get them, we want to go get them. Um, at the same time, we also added two picks early tomorrow, you know, at 108 and 124. So, um, like you said, got three players we really liked. Uh, and I think we got a chance to get, you know, six more tomorrow, but certainly three right off the bat tomorrow. And, uh, so I, I think overall, again, You'd love for the draft to fall exactly the way you the way you want it to, and you, you get a whole bunch of your top ten picks, you know, throughout the draft. Yeah, that's not reality, but uh, but I think we're thrilled with the way it went tonight. We got our target players, and we got some extra picks on top. I think fans look at drafts and they say, "Who can we get that can help me right now?" And fortunately, we're in a place with our roster where you could roll a team out there today and feel pretty good. Maybe we want to get another defensive end and get your Devian back if that's possible. But for the most part, we have a Pretty complete roster and pretty complete backups in a lot of places. But, you know, I go back a couple years ago. You move back a few spots in the second round. You pick up a fifth. You get Nick Harris. Well, look who's a starter now for your team. Even though you had J.C. Treader and he wasn't going to help you immediately. You know, do you guys, and I know the answer to this is yes, but just kind of explain the thought process on, okay, let's look at our roster. Oh, Greedy happens to be in the last year of his contract. Troy Hill is an older player that's now in the second year of the deal that we signed with him. The succession planning that you're thinking about, in addition to immediate impact, but saying, oh, it's nice if we have, we're loaded at corner, can get a guy to develop, and then he's ready to play when we need him because we've signed a lot of pillar players to big contracts whose numbers are going to go up as the years goes on, and we're going to need to find guys that are cost-effective. No doubt. I, th- I think you hit on you know sort of two of the two of the key points. One is that we have to manage the roster both today and tomorrow, right? We need we constantly need to be thinking ahead of where we're going to be, what other needs we're going to have. Um, so that's why it's it, our draft or the draft for us is never of a need today basis. You know, hopefully it's a need in a year or two. You know, once once we get sure. uh, once we get to that point. The other thing is, you know, for years here 
we wanted to get to the point where our roster was good enough that first-year players had to fight their way to get playing time. You know, that jobs weren't going to be just gifted to them because we didn't we just didn't have anybody else, right? First time undrafted free agents <laughs> right. were asked to play right uh, away. And we're there, you know, and, right. th- and that's where we want to be. And, uh, you know, we've been – it took a long time to get there, but we're there now. And these guys are going to have to fight for playing time as rookies, which is fine. You know, that again, that we want to have that competition. Um, I think it will be not only good for our veterans but good for the young guys. And, uh, and hopefully they really grow as uh, – you know, as a result of that, and who knows, you know, in the next, you know, year or two, maybe it's this year, but if not this year, then maybe it's next year where, you know, they take on even more more prominent roles, and that's that's great for us. That's the way it should be. I think to fans, and maybe even even internally perhaps, there's the, okay, pick 44. We're early here in the second round, and then you move out of the second round altogether. Is the gap in terms of talent between there and the third round as significant as I think maybe from a media standpoint, we make it out to be. And I would imagine if you're moving back, you felt comfortable you're getting a talented player and you obviously feel that way with Martin and the guys that we added to the room. But how do you kind of weigh that out and knowing who's on the board? A guy like, for example, a job who's on the board would have been a top 15 guy if he doesn't hurt his Achilles. But he did hurt his Achilles and it's a red shirt year. Right. How do you kind of weigh all of those things? And is that gap as big as maybe people think? And is it one guy's 44, might be another team's 68, might be another team's 99? Well, that's definitely true. So as the draft goes on, um, I think it starts going in in a lot of different directions because teams really have very different views of the players. You know, everybody everybody sees the top 15, 20, 25 players, and there's largely consensus view around those guys. Not perfectly, but at least largely. Um, the the views become much more disparate as you get, you know, past that. So, uh, look, the there were some players that – we thought, you know, going into the draft, maybe had a chance to get to 44. Uh, we thought it was an outside chance they sure. may get to 44. But if they didn't, you know, then we were prepared to move out of there because we thought these are the guys we wanted, you know, and it was Martin Emerson, it was Alex Wright, and it was David Bell, those kind of guys. And we thought we could get them in the spots that we ended up getting them, you know, at the end of the day. So I think that was certainly part of the calculus was, you know, were there some players between 44 and – we didn't go into tonight thinking we're going to trade back to 68. <laughs> you I'm know? sure, right. But, um, you know, you don't have your choice of where you trade back necessarily. And there were other opportunities to move around the draft that we didn't necessarily accept because, again, it may have taken us out of position to get one of these guys. Uh, and ultimately we felt like these picks put us in position to, these, to get these guys. And, again, we would have loved, you know, last year we had a guy that we thought was a – Slam dunk first round pick that ended up in the middle of the second round. We went and got him in JOK, right? Yes. Uh, that didn't happen this year, you know, for right. us. So we went the other way, and uh, and I think we ended up in a really good spot, um, even though it was a totally different approach. What changes for you guys? Because all the fans look at it and they go, "Bright lights Thursday, Friday, Saturday." Fans tend to let their guard down. Obviously, you can't do it. What changes between the first two nights and that third day? Uh, well, quick turn. You know, and, and then three rounds tomorrow, so everything goes a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for us, we're going to be right on the clock early with 108. I think the what, first pick tomorrow is 106. So yeah. we're 108, 118, 124. 
Um, then we have a long wait between 124 and 202, uh, assuming we don't pick something up, you know, in between there. But um, so we'll have a target list of players, you know, before we go to bed tonight. Uh, in fact, we are, you know, we largely already have yes. it now, uh, <laughs> but certainly before we go to bed tonight in terms of what we're looking at for those three picks. And um, and then we'll see what presents itself, you know, tomorrow as, as we're on the clock. We also have target lists for 202 and 223 and 246. So um, we have a, you know, we've got a pretty good idea of how it's at least likely to unfold tomorrow. Um, Not that we know exactly which player is going to go where, but at least have a feel for around where certain players are going to go. So we have to build, you know, lists of target players that are, you know, it's, it's gotta be bigger than one, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but we have that. We have quite a few players that we'd be excited to add tomorrow. Paul, we thank you very much for the time. Enjoy tomorrow. Thank you, I will.